Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. Episode 151, guys. We, we are tracking along. This is um, this is following the three of us being on the Ask Me Anything episode last week. Unbelievable. The stuff that came out, surreal. <laughs> yeah, it was out of this world. So crazy that we don't even know crazy. what it is yet because we haven't recorded it yet. It was just epic. I just already know because yeah. I watched yeah. Tenet and I actually have been reversing in time ever since we did that podcast <laughs> and I can tell you it's fantastic. But even still, you're back even though you're now wanted in 12 different countries. Yes, that is correct. Um, is that because of my daring escape from um, Ministry of Health, like quarantine, where I'm like actually hiding in the bush right now and eating rats? Yes, that's exactly what I was talking about, Liz, you COVID testing, dodging, <laughs> lunatic, maniac. I'll have you know, I've had two COVID tests in the past two days and I'm having a third one tomorrow, so that I can definitely get the hell out of here on Sunday. But we're not here to talk about you getting tested. Uh, we are here to talk about Promising Young Woman, a 2020 film, just, slash 2021 release, because it's sort of gone wide in 2021. It's that- kind of like COVID, where it's twenty COVID-19, but actually it was big in 2020. So I feel like this is like a movie in 2020, but it's big in 2021. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good way to describe it. I mean, Stacey, you went and saw it in the end of 2020. I shouted you along to a special preview screening that you were very happy about. Yeah, I was totally stoked to get the afternoon off and sit in a dark theatre and not worry about popcorn. anyone apart from myself. Was or, it popcorn? Yeah. Not worry yes. about children. Oh. Yes, popcorn. Had and an ice cream. Amazing. Ice cream and happy days. I didn't know See, anything about it. Even up until I was sitting in the cinema, I knew nothing. Living the dream. And great movie. I'd seen the trailer for it multiple times on Facebook. Like I quite often scroll through the random video crap, you know, late at night when I'm supposed to be sleeping. And I'd seen like the, like quite often it was freeze, freeze framed on the um, bit where she's wearing like the nurse's costume and the colorful wig. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, what is this? Some kind of like Halloween stabby movie or something. But I was like, oh, it looks kind of fun. I'll, I'll see what it is. And I've watched it a couple of times and be like, this looks pretty good. So we'll see how we go about watching it. And then Stacey the other day was like, Liz, I think uh, I'd quite like to do this on a podcast. And I was just like, um, hell yeah. <laughs> well, so, Stacey and- never wants to do a film. This is probably the second film she's ever wanted to do on our podcast. And it was, it's interesting. I wanted to do it sooner, but nobody could see it. But it's because I left the cinema, even watching the movie, I was like, I was actually thinking about Machu. I was like, how would Machu <laughs> like this movie? I was like, would he be uncomfortable right now? <laughs> I totally get that. Because as I was watching it, as I've said to Sam already today, like, I'm really excited to hear what he thinks. I'm like I've definitely seen some feedback on social media that it should only be women talking about it, and I don't necessarily agree. Like I no. don't want to hear someone like Donald Trump talking about it, but I do want to hear what legitimate, decent dudes that I know think about it and how it makes them feel, because I'm really curious, because I've certainly got opinions on how it made me feel. Well, yeah. legitimate, decent dudes are not here. You've got me. Uh, <laughs> Sam, this is probably the only time I'm going to compliment you on this podcast. You are actually a legitimate, decent dude. The closest yeah. I can come. Can't believe I had to just give you a decent thing to like, say something nice about you. No. I um, need a drink. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyone that hasn't seen this that wants to play along with the podcast, I mean, basically, yeah, it's just come out. It stars Carrie Mulligan as Cassie or Cassandra, uh, Laverne Cox as Gail, her boss, Bo Burnham as her boyfriend in the film. I oh, spoiler alert, by the way, for a new film, whatever. Uh, Bo Burnham as her love interest, Clancy Brown and <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge as her parents. 
Oh, and then Alison Brie as one of her former friends. And we've got a couple of cameos from quite famous people like McLovin shows up in one scene, Adam McLovin. Brody shows up in one scene. And Seth Cohen, yeah. Connie Britton shows up in one scene, Molly Shannon shows up mm. in one scene. There was quite a few just random cameos from quite big names. And like before we get into it a bit, I mean, we typically are quite funny, stupid, weird, and then sometimes a little bit poignant and a little bit deep on this podcast. I've got a feeling due to the subject of this film, this is probably going to be one of our more poignant episodes. So if you haven't seen this film and you're just tuning in just to have a laugh, this is probably not the episode for you. Yeah, if you're a dude, bro, and you're like, yeah, fucking Trump, you are probably not going to like it. Pretty sure none of them ever listened to our podcast. (laughs) But that being said, I mean, like, if if you're not looking, planning on going to see this film, I highly recommend you do. Uh, I mean, in America, you can now watch it on video on demand, I believe. But if you're not planning on seeing this film, Liz, what's the plot? What's the plot of Promising Young Woman? Please go see this film, like, honestly, um, without giving too much away. Um, I was struggling to describe the plot because I've I've told a couple of my friends that they should see it. And, um, it's been quite hard to describe it in a way that makes you want to see it, but I promise you it's worth it. So the plot is basically that um, the lead character, Cassie, she was in medical school a long time ago. She left because something happened to one of her friends, and she's now living a life where it's, it's basically all about trying to, I guess, seek justice or, or retribution for her friend. But it's that's a really shitty way to describe it. It's just really hard to cover it off. Do you have a better way? Yeah, I mean, like we'll go full spoiler. Basically, her friends, her best friend, got raped at uh, university, and then the people that were responsible for it basically dodged taking responsibility for it. And so she, as many do, yeah, as yeah, and so she's since been on this sort of one woman warpath to try and right the wrongs of that. And so she goes out, pretends to be drunk, and then when guys hit on her, take her home, whatever. She then sort of flips around and is just like, you know, what are you doing? Like, what the hell do you think you're doing? It's just the best moment when, and we're getting a bit into the podcast meet now, but um, just, yeah, the, with the moment where she flips from pretending to be drunk with this, with this guy and she just suddenly goes completely lucid and just says, what are you doing? And I just think that's excellent and, yeah, brilliant. I, I would make the point, though, that it's not just about retribution for the specific people who were culpable in the in the attack on her friend, but as well as she's she's trying to attack the concept as a whole and the you know the the men that are perpetuating the the problem and yeah like I just I, it's like her whole life is consumed by the attack that happened to her friend yeah and, and she, yeah and so basically like that's the rest of the film is that she comes in contact with someone that she was at university with around that time they start forming a relationship the guy that raped her friend sort of comes back on the picture, and then the rest of the film is basically her seeking her revenge against those people that uh, that did this to her, as well as forming a relationship with that other guy. And, I mean, I'm not going to say any more than that. I mean, that's pretty much the first half of the film, and I think anyone should go out and watch this. I mean, I, I highly recommend it. Looking at the scores for the film, 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Metacritic, 71%. Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. So that's more indicative of actually like the quality of this film. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll do a usual spiel. Uh, we start with 10 questions that can be applied to any film, and then move into our personal questions. Finish on either a Patreon question or a listener question. Didn't have time for a listener question this week, so we're doing a Patreon question. And the one we always start with, Compliment Sandwich. I mean, we've already been singing its praises a bit, but Liz, why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us your one good thing, one bad thing, one good thing, and then give us a score out of 10,000 necklaces. All right, I'm going to start with my first good thing. So it's not a shit sandwich, which I think was probably pretty obvious. Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, so the dialogue I just found was perfection. 
There were just amazing one-liners that actually had me laughing out loud. So every time it was starting to get a bit deep, there were moments that just had you laughing or just absolutely blown away. And you were just like, yes, excellent. And to that, like, it just captured exactly the kind of things that people say in those sort of situations. Like, it was just written so well, and it, the script was perfect. Like, I just, I couldn't find fault with it. And uh, that's not the only thing I couldn't find fault with, because I couldn't think of a bad thing about this movie. Hyperbole Santa. sandwich? <laughs> so this is my very first hyperbole sandwich. Oh, I never thought it was mentally possible for you. Me either. And as I was watching this film, I was like, I think this might be a hyperbole sandwich. And by the end, I was like, this has to be a hyperbole sandwich because holy shit balls. So, I mean, the great thing about this film is just the way that it was put together, the flow, the storyline, the direction. Like, I love this director, Emerald Fennel. Fennel, She blew my mind. Like, the movie is so well done, and it's the first movie I've watched. I don't even know how long that I've loved it this much and just walked out and just been so satisfied and just so sitting there going, yes, thank you. I can't believe it's her debut movie. Um, I will absolutely be watching anything else that she puts out. And frankly, it is just light years ahead of the shit that Sam usually makes me watch for these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I've been picking most of these films. You shouldn't. Anyway, yeah. No, honestly, like, I mean, no, I, that's, I that's a little unfair. Movies. But just the idea, just usually I watch these films and I have to analyze them, right, for, for the podcast. Like I, I like to analyze them as we've talked about. And usually there's just things I'm like, oh, that's so dumb. That yeah. wouldn't have happened. Or, oh, that person never would have said that. And I just didn't really get that at all. I got this, a couple of things I'll bring up um, maybe in the next answer. But no, like, fuck me. It was so good. And it just spoke to me. I just can't get over that. <laughs> final um, good thing? Yeah. So my final good thing was... It's kind of hard to describe, but often the women were portrayed seemingly more powerful than the men, like dominating them in the scene. It was immensely satisfying as a woman to watch that, to watch these women owning the situations and being like the stronger one in the situation, because it's just not necessarily something that happens every time, and especially not in movies. Like movies, it's always so often the woman is the weaker person. And look, honestly, yep, strength, I get that. But I can't explain it better than that, and maybe Stacey gets what I mean. But, <laughs> I do, yeah. I do. Oh, good. So, um, yeah, my score, I thought, you know, if I'm going to do a hyperbole sandwich, I'm going the whole hog. So I'm going to give this score, uh, the score of 3.541 billion to this movie. And the reason <laughs> I choose this. That's the highest score I've ever had. Well, it's the best movie I've possibly ever seen. And the reason I'm giving it that score is because that's the number of women in the world. And that's how many women I hope have a best friend like Cassie who has their back when this yeah. shit happens to them. Because frankly, oh. the odds are it will. So let's hope that you've got a bitch like Cassie who's just going to have your back and sort your shit out. Wow, that is hard to follow, Liz. Sorry, but- I just, I've been wanting to get this out for days, Stacey, <laughs> days. Cool, that's Liz done for the podcast. But- okay, what about you, Stacey? But you know what? I'm so excited to hear that because I did. I was like, wow, Liz is going to love this. And I didn't want to tell you you'd love it before you'd watch it. So I just asked you. I would be interested to <laughs> hear what you thought of it. Um. Okay, well, I'm giving this a hyperbole sandwich as well. What the bloody fuck? Yeah, boy. And it's my first Holy one. Holy shit. I, you tell him, because you're exactly right. I didn't realize mm. this, but I couldn't think of something bad. So nah. it is. It just is. 
You just don't understand how movies never do it this yeah. well. Like yeah. it was just yeah. it was it obviously was like written by women and done for women and yeah. by women and holy shit boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first good thing is the whole entire story was very refreshing. Like I can't emphasize that word enough. I can't even think of a better word. It's it's like your you that your um description of you're like, yes, finally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um we're seeing some really interesting female characters on screen. And I was about three quarters or t- two thirds of the way through the movie and I was thinking, when was the last time I saw a guy on screen talking to another guy? I don't think I have since the opening scene with three guys in the bar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's really true. And then like it, and you see it, a it, tiny it, bit at the end. It's the where, opposite yeah, true, of the Bechdel yeah. test, is it? Yes. Like, yeah. The guys only talk to each other about women pretty much. Yes, like, exactly. Mm. The, uh, the complete opposite. I don't think I've ever noticed that in the film before. Uh, so that, my, that was my first good thing. My great thing was the, I just love the style of the, the movie, the colors, mm. her, her style, like, um, her, the Cassie's wardrobe, yeah. her hair. It just, you know, said so just much all the about costumes her costumes and the colors and yeah. the neon and the, yeah, yeah just and the, the brightness. The way she it, yeah. walked. The what co- do you call that, Sam? Yeah, the, what do you call the it? The visuality of it? It's or? like yeah, the production. The, yeah. It's all the it's just the use of color, stuff. basically, yeah. But it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's just not co- cinem- cinematography, but it's like just the color palette and, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm kind of, like, yeah, visuality or production yeah. values. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, it's just, it was just so, it was banging. Like it was just so cool. So cool. Like I found my Halloween costume. For this year, <laughs> and it's the nurse costume. Uh, so, I was gonna. Yeah. Oh, I don't think we need to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um. And my final good thing: the food in this movie. The food. <laughs> okay. So I know this is a really little minor thing, but it just makes it so fun for me to watch. You have you do you, when in a movie do you see the main hot as female character do ugly eating? She does yes. ugly eating in almost so every true. scene, like real kind of biting I things. I fucking love when she's walking back with like the breakfast sandwich or whatever. Yeah. And she's just like she got sauce oh. running down and like her just, arm, and yeah, it's man. just like whatever. It's, it's, it's a good use watches, of symbolism to show that this character does does not give a fuck. Yeah, she does not give, give a fuck. fuck. Yeah. She's amazing. The, the bit where they like where they catcall her and she's just like staring staring at them, at them and like just shoving this <laughs> breakfast sandwich in her face, like just completely unimpressed. I was just like. Oh, you fuck, fuck it, yeah. bitch! Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yes, <laughs> but but then it just keep kept coming. Like there were just more and more scenes where she was eating. Like when she went out for lunch with Ryan, she actually ate her fries. She had fries and a burger, and she was eating it like a normal yeah. person, yep. not like having mm-hmm. a salad and not touching it on a date. Uh, what what about your score then? If you were going hyperbole sandwich? Oh, look, I'm really struggling with this because my logical brain won't really let me go too much over 100 percent. Because 100 percent is the best you can get, right? It's amazing that she says she has a logical <laughs> brain. Yet we all know the Stacey answers to every question that we ever hear her on, which is Although, usually like actually, this weird. Obtuse. They are logical. She can be lateral and yeah, they logical. Are. They're, right? they're logical. If you're an insane patient, okay. Well, you could give it 10,000 exactly because yes. then it would be 100 percent. Yes, actually, I will give it 10,000. Fair enough. That Yay! is the bare minimum to become a hyperbole sandwich. Mm-hmm. Well, we'd, fuck it. We run this podcast. We can make up whatever rules we like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's making it that there's nothing bad, right? If you're saying it's 100% perf- <clears throat> like it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not a hyperbole sandwich. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I tried. No, that's okay. I tried. Like, if you've got something that you found bad about it, then it's you. 
So, so the thing for me is for 75% or 80, roughly 80% of the film, I was like, this is some of the best filmmaking I've seen in years, like literally years. And then there's just one or two scenes that sort of stick out as jarring, sort of awkward, like the tonal changes in, within those scenes just doesn't seem organic or um, sort of make sense. You know, Can like, you give us a couple examples or like one example? I was going to. Like, for instance, one that I didn't really like was when she goes to see Molly Shannon, which is her friend's mum. And she gets there and she's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in so long. Hey, how are you? And then she's, they're just talking. She's like, oh, you know, what was that guy that picked on her? And she was like, you just need to leave. Get out of my house. And then she just storms off. And it's like, I don't know if people do that. And the reason why I'm saying this is this film kind of grounds itself in a weird reality. And so when they have these scenes that just feel obtuse and out of place, I just it, it sort of irks me a bit. It's sort of like, and maybe that's just the way I like view these type of films. Um, another one is like when Alison Brie shows up and she's got the the phone and she says, oh, by the way, we've got the video. You know, what happened to me? What happened to me? And she's like, oh, yeah, that guy was just a friend. No, you're fine. All that sort of stuff. And I thought that was a, like, you know, reasonable explanation. And then when she's inside, she's like, don't you ever talk to me again. And it's just like, where's that come from? I think that, that bit, I think the first bit they showed, I mean, I don't know, but um, the first scene I think was just showing that. Everyone was trying to get it, Cassie to let her let it go, yeah. but she wouldn't. I think that was what the point of the first one was. And I think the second one, she kind of knew what Cassie had done, but couldn't exactly accuse her of it. Like she didn't have any proof or anything, so she just kind of knew that she'd fucked with her. Yeah, but I don't know. I get what you mean, though. That's fair. Yeah. There, there was, there was just there were scenes yeah. like that. The other one was when she was slumped over her car in the middle of the road, and it looks like she's had a stroke <laughs> and she's died. And that guy just pulls up beside her and there's no cars around for miles. And he's like, get off the road, you stupid cunt. And it's like, what? What person no, would do that? that? Okay, and like me and Machu and Kahu went and saw this. Yep, three boys, we went and saw this film. We came out, we had a lot to say about it as well. But we talked about that scene and we were like, that just doesn't make any sense. But then we thought, well, maybe that's America. It doesn't make sense to us because if that shit happened in New Zealand, like if you pulled up beside a car and a woman was slumped over the steering wheel, you'd get out and be like, oh my God, ring an ambulance. Hey, you're right. Have you had a stroke? Mm. Are you having a heart attack? Something like that. So maybe it's just our New Zealand eyes. That being said, all up, 8,900. This is some of... Wow. Yeah, yeah. I know. I love this film. I love this Mm. film. This is easily a four and a half or some... Actually, maybe 8,500. It's about 8,500 necklaces. I, um, I, I forgot my phone a good thing, which is what you guys are talking about, the story. I got towards the end and I was like, I know exactly where this is going. I didn't. <laughs> yes. That yeah, ending. I did not expect that ending, but it was perfect. Oh, but was I didn't expect it. Phenomenal. It left me perfect. sitting there going, I am so gutted that this has happened. But uh, then. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was devastating, yeah. but it was perfect. So, and oh, fucking hell. So as much, no, as much as it was perfect, it did lead into the part where. She was texting him, and it happened to coincide at the same time the police showed up. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of cutesy, you know what I mean? But at the same mm. time, still enjoyed it. Anyway, that's, that's enough. That's enough from us for our <laughs> question number one. Let's move over to question number two. What is it there, Liz? So question number two is a Patreon question from Julio of the Contrarians uh, podcast. He is a great dude. It's a great podcast. They basically take a popular film and tell you all the reasons why it sucks. Uh, or take a film that everyone hates and tell you all the reasons why it's good. Um, and that makes sense for their question because it is, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? Yeah, I don't feel like what she, you know how she's getting these revenges on these people. I don't feel mm. like they deserved what they got. Oh, Like as in? Yeah, as in like what happened to them. Like for instance, Connie Britton's character, how 
she had her daughter kidnapped and held in a restaurant and then you know That is controversial, Sam. No, I think they deserved yeah. more. Yeah, oh, I thought it might be yeah. what you were saying. Is that <laughs> you valid? Yes, yeah. I know. I, I people knew you should have their fucking it. lives destroyed. That's what yeah, happened to yeah. her friend. Like having, oh, your daughter was kidnapped. Let that drag out but for actually, a day. Just walk I out of that. I kind of like that. That she was walking on like the high high road. She took the high road and went psychological as opposed to actually yeah. causing them damage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I get what you're saying because, yeah, they were fucking. Dex. But you know that was the beauty of this entire movie is that you actually didn't know she was that much unhinged that she could have gone physical. Well, that's what at I was trying to moment. say. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I want her to go that next level. I wanted more evilness out of this girl. Like, give me a film where Carrie Mulligan goes around like literally destroying people's lives, and that would be amazing. Like she, she, you know, went part of the way, but I still wanted. Just that ruthlessness. Like when she walked out of Alfred Molina's house and there was a guy waiting outside. We don't know what that guy was going to do, but I've got a question about it. I wanted yeah, to do. see her walk out and the guy go, do you still want me to go in there? And she's like, yeah, fuck that dude. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a woman-man thing. I don't know. But like I actually really liked that she was just trying to find remorse. And because he had remorse, it was okay. And because Madison didn't, it wasn't. Like I really liked how she had specific lines that she drew in the sand and wouldn't cross unless it was necessary. Like, yeah, yeah. And I need, this is where I need to bring up Killing Eve. So the only thing I knew going into this movie is Sam said, blah, 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 something about Killing Eve. Yes, yeah, so like, the writer there, of Killing Eve directed this film. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So neither of you guys have seen Killing Eve, right? No. So the character, the main female character is a professional assassin. So she does what you are wanting I need Carrie to watch Mulligan, the show. Carrie yeah. Mulligan in this movie to do. And I, th- I was thinking about that as I was watching it because I was expecting her to kill people. I was expecting there to be blood and gore and just ruthless, you know, all-out murder. But it wasn't there. And I think that's really clever because, like you say, Liz, mm. they went more the psychological route with this. And she's a normal human being. She's not a professional assassin. Yeah. Um. So I think they did the exact right level tone for her character. I, yeah. No. Like. No, no. Don't get me wrong. Like. It's, as much as I love to see her fucking up people, at the same time, I would have liked to have seen her psychologically destroy people more. Like when Connie Britton's, you know, like the dean, if she just walked out of the room and not told her where her daughter was, and then just let her like flounder Le- around for twenty four hours trying to find her daughter or whatever. At the same time, like they've, they've grounded this in a kind of reality, and the reality of that is, if she'd just walked out, then Cassie would have been arrested then within the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's just admitted, yeah, yeah. told her who she was, admitted to kidnapping her daughter. You know, that she'd be off the streets and she'd never be able to finish the rest of the film. And so that's why I gave a bit of a pass. But at the same time, yeah, that was that was my opinion. What about you, Stace? Well, I think this p- opinion will only be controversial to the people I'm suggesting this for. But I think yeah. that every guy who goes to college in America should watch this film before he starts. One hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. This needs to be mandatory viewing mm. for every man mm. in the world. Mm. Like, oh my god, mm. so much. But it's sorry, Stace, I that opinion. Couldn't agree I think, more. yeah, I know. But I think that not because I think it will work. Not because I think they'll watch it and go, oh yeah, okay, oh I see, you know what's going on. But it, it will make them feel uncomfortable. I think. And that's enough. So, that's a start. The the thing that would be that will do quite well is that it will show to some guys like like ninety percent of guys aren't like the guys in this film, but when they're in those circumstances where the ten percent of those guys are, they'll just stand by and watch those ten percent guys 
do whatever they do and not care. Yes. Whereas I feel like this film would be, a film like this will encourage them to be like, no, I'm not going to stand on the sidelines and watch this guy do that to mm. a woman and try mm. and potentially destroy her mm. life. I'm actually going to say something and stop them. I'm not going to cheer along like she finds out her boyfriend did it one scene, you know what I mean? Oh my God, yeah. that bit. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, Stacey, I agree. It's not going to turn everyone, but I feel like there could be some dudes on the cusp who just didn't really get that concept of, if you're so drunk mm. that you're basically unconscious and you mm. can barely speak or stand, mm. you're not consenting to sex. Yeah. So don't. Mm. Like, it's it's such a basic concept, but look, um, the amount of women I know, including myself, who have been in a position like this, like, it's just ridiculous how yeah, many totally and it's like i would um oh well actually this sort of leads a bit into my controversial opinion because um i think it should have been called i feel like promising young woman was an okay title but i feel like it sh- could have been called hashtag me too and the reason i say that is because this ties the movie ties in so well with the whole campaign of hashtag me too and i don't know if you guys know about the origins of the whole hashtag was basically I th- oh, it might have been like Alyssa Milano or Rose McGowan or one of them started this campaign was basically like hey guys do you realize that like all of the women that you know probably have been either assaulted or harassed or raped or whatever mm-hmm. woman if this is you can you please share this post and say hashtag me too and of course the vast vast majority of the mm-hmm. woman population who saw it said hashtag me too because we mm-hmm. all have like mm-hmm. And I actually remember bringing this up to my mum, and she was like, oh, I think it's a bit bit dramatic. It hasn't happened to everyone. And I'm like, she said, it hasn't happened to me. And I was like, "Uh, yes, it has. You told me about that time when you were like 18 or whatever. She's like, oh, oh, you're right, kind of thing. And and it's so ingrained that it's just – You get conditioned to just ignore things. Yeah, you're like, yeah, every woman's been assaulted. Like, who cares, kind of thing. Fucking hell, that's insane. Mm. Like, Mm. yeah, if I ask any of the women I know – Especially at university years, like mm. we've all mm. had something fucking horrible mm. happen to us, and we've just kind of got on with it because that's what happens. Yeah, that is a controversial opinion, Liz. Because mm. I don't. Ag- people would hate it and not want to watch it, but I just feel yeah. like it, it would be good to tie it into it. I don't. You know? Yeah, I don't agree with it. I don't think yeah. the title should be changed. I I like the title because it's not a campaign for me too. It's its own theatrical creative entity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fun fact for you, Liz, Tarana Burke actually started the Me Too um, thing back in the mid-2000s on MySpace. Wow. No way. Yeah, it's, it's been going around for ages. She's a social political activist from New York. Okay, I take back what I said. I think maybe this was like one of the big waves of it or something. Yeah, it was like, like 2015, yeah. I think. The um, wave? Uh, yeah. What's her name? Guthries came out and started talking about Harvey Weinstein in 2015. Yes. And then that spread on. That yeah. became Rose McGowan and everyone else. So, yeah. That was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, it was such a good campaign and it's lost its meaning now. Like a lot of people are like, oh, whatever, you know, yeah, it's just about making dudes Dudes are making bad. jokes about like, it and shit like that. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, no. It's just trying to make dudes understand that it really does happen to all of the women you know. Yeah. Like, that's basically the whole thing. Anyway, okay. that brings us on to question number three. Also a Patreon question. Comes to see Chris Yeni. Thanks, Chris. You're the man. It does. Thank you, Chris. Uh, what song would you have inserted into this film and where, Liz? Okay, so I think she should have gone home with a dude at Christmas. And his whole <laughs> apartment's all decorated and, you know, trees and tinsel and all that shit. And he's like, oh, let me put on some music to set the mood. And he starts playing Baby It's Cold Outside. I saw where that was going. I anticipated <laughs> yeah. that song. Because yeah, I... it's the theme of the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. Like, I was just like, that is the only song that would just apply to this movie so well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. I love female empowerment songs. One of them is uh, "Rebel Girl" by Bikini Kill. I would have liked that playing when she's walking along with the was it the muffin and she's got the juices running down the arm, or was the I hot, thought it was like a the hot breakfast, dog, the like breakfast burrito, something. or something like that. And she's got the juices yeah, running yeah, down whatever like, it is, it's "Rebel Girl, Rebel Girl, you're the queen of my world." Something like that. It's, it's real good sort of riot girl music from the mid '90s. I just don't think it's used enough. You know, like we always hear Gwen Stefani's "Just a Girl" and stuff like that. I I yeah. want to bring. I want yeah. that song used more. I think it deserves a place. So, yeah, that I would agree. be mine. My song just popped into my head for a snippet, a scene of the movie, and it's um, the garbage song, Paranoid. Oh, yeah. And, I guess uh, I'm paranoid. Yeah, yeah. And it popped, yeah. In, popped into my head for old mate who uh, goes around to her place and is like, I've been trying to call you. I've been trying to call you. What happened with that guy? Oh, yeah. Um, Alison Brie. Alison Brie. Alison yeah, Brie. Yeah, Alison Brie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like, she just... She's like, paranoid as oh. can be. Oh, that's good. It was ridiculous because she just really didn't seem to click mm. about the parallels. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. like, I found that really bizarre. I'd like to say, though, I was quite impressed that they went with Paris Hilton and oh, God. Britney Spears. Like, I hated that. Because of that, exactly, because it's like, they just went, do you know what, fuck you, we're using full-on... Girl pop, yeah, and we're gonna fucking own it. And I was like, <laughs> "Is it yeah. girl pop or is it just shit music?" Oh, look, when a hundred percent when he was like, "It's Paris Hilton," I was like, Ugh. but then I was like, actually, I kind of like that they just went, "Yeah, we're going unapologetic on this. We're going full on girl pop." Cool. Uh, next question is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing man. This is Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a cornucopia of creative content. Pro samples, video essays, all that sort of stuff. He's got amazing stuff. You should go check it out in the link below. And what Dave would like to know is which two characters from this film would you guys want with you at your house party? Tough question to answer this week, Dave. <laughs> yeah. None of the younger dudes, I can tell you that right well, now. We almost should have flipped the question and gone, which two characters do you definitely not want at your house party? But no, we don't no. need to talk about that. What, no, which two? I've got two. Which two? Okay, so you've got to have Gail. Um, her boss yeah. at the coffee shop. I feel like Gail is everyone's answer cool. here, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's cool and funny and, yeah, very cheeky. And my other person was actually Ryan because, yes, we find out he has, you know, behaves differently at the end of the movie than what we want him to. But he's just a nice guy for most of the movie. He's like yes. what you're saying. He's yeah. like nice guys. Nice They're guy, so great. Um, who, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like, what? he's quite funny. Like, he, he delivers a lot of the good lines in the movie, so... Yeah. And he doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, he's, like, he's we were quite just witty. talking about, he's dancing in the pharmacy or the drugstore or whatever. Yeah, up until the point he turns, you'd want him at your party, but after that... You'd, and yeah. that, I think I get, that's I the point they try and make, right? Yeah. Like, hey, this is such a cool dude. Oh, hold on, yeah. I couldn't agree more about Gail. Like, I feel like she just does not give two fucks, and she's also just fucking cool, and she'd just be yeah. such a laugh to have at your party. Yeah. Uh, my second person, I'm going with Jordan, um, Alfred Molina's character. The really? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, because I feel job. like be I have a reason for this. Yeah. If anything goes tits up at that party, it would be convenient to have a lawyer with a conscience <laughs> handy. That's a good point. He's going to have my back. Fair enough. I'm going to go with uh, Adam Brody and McLovin's characters. I want them with my house party so I can kick the shit out of both of them. I was going <laughs> to say, so you can punch them in the face. I knew it. Yeah, so I can nice. kick the living fuck out of no, I mean, well, the honest answer is I, I mean, it's, it's Gail was like the obvious answer. So I've just, yeah. I was like, who else? So her parents, Clancy yeah. Brown and Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, I thought yeah. you meant Gail's parents. Nah, like, not Gail's parents. Cassie's Gail's parents. parents. Cassie's parents. <laughs> Cassie's parents seem very supportive. I, I don't get why they don't have a car park straight outside their house. 
and people have to park on the other side of a park and then walk across the park to get to the house. <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. Don't know what they're up to there. But at the same time, I still feel like those two are real nice people. I didn't like with Jennifer Coolidge the one bit where she's just like, how dare you not remember your birthday? And she, I like yelling at her is not going to help. I, like, I feel like she was just exasperated at that point. I feel like yeah. she's just like, oh. I get how she would just be struggling, but I really yeah. liked how the way her dad approached it. Like yeah. where he was just like, oh, it's been so nice to see the Cassie that we know, mm. like kind of thing. I thought mm. that was really sweet. Sweet as. Uh, moves us over to question number five. What is it there, Liz? And do we all have the same answer? Probably because the question is, Oh, okay. So I'm going to ask it. I'm going to count down, and then we're all going to say the same fucking thing, all right? Yeah. What scene from this film will you remember on your deathbed? One, two, three. Deathbed. The smothering. <laughs> yes, the strange. Yeah, the strangulation. Oh, my God. Yes. Deathbed oh, for the deathbed. It was so long. It just was so long. Yeah, I, I, I had to look like, away. I didn't watch the whole me thing. Me too. And I really liked that because it wasn't graphic. Like, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't blood spurting out mm. or. You know, her face going purple or anything. It was actually quite a sedate scene. But fuck me, I had to look away. Yeah. The problem, like, like, as I mentioned at the start, I didn't see this ending coming. I did not see that coming. And part of me that had been rooting for her up until this point, I was just like, here we go. Here we go. And you expected her to fight back. And you just thought she was going to fight back and win. That, exactly and she right. Didn't. And, so, and, like, we're talking about how she didn't murder anyone. I felt like at this point, when he's on top of her and doing what he's doing, I was like, Here's a point where she can legitimately murder a person and say it's in self-defense and get away with it. And then yeah. she didn't. And then I was like, nah, she's, she's going to live. And then she wakes up. Well, it doesn't wake up. He wakes up the next day or he hasn't even woken up. His mate distru- disturbs him the next morning. And the guy's been lying there sitting beside a corpse. All entire, night next to this yeah. corpse. All night yeah, just, I was like, fuck. I'm never going to forget this it scene. It was just so that dark. Is the it was scene. so good. Yeah. And it just flipped tropes on the head. Like mm. everything you expected out of a Hollywood movie, mm. it just went, no, fuck you, we're killing mm. it. The only, other one that, went, the only other one that comes close is the guys all dancing sexily at the start, even though none of them are very sexily looking me. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny you said that because it was yeah. literally the first thing I noted down. Yeah. I was like, it is not sexy watching men's crotches dance, whereas that's the kind of scene that they always put in women. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was such a great way to start it because I was like, this is gross. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It was really- Me, Machu, and Kahu were all like, what the fuck are we watching? I also think that the first shot we meet her, Cassie, in is very striking. She's yeah. on that yeah. red mm. pleather bench, almost like uh, Jesus on the cross, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and actually that um, that scene really, that made me think of one bit that I found slightly wrong about this film, but it wasn't, like, because I feel like they did it on purpose. But actually, I think woman would have come up to her and mm. tried to see if she was okay. Because the times that I've been quite drunk or yeah. I've seen women in a bathroom that are really drunk, I've been like, are you okay? And, like, tried to get them into a taxi and they've tried to do the same for me. So I feel like... That was one thing that I feel like they missed in the movie, which I think they did for on purpose, but I feel like woman would have had her back more. Did you notice that there was like 99% men in that Yeah, bar, I don't think there were any other women oh, there. So maybe they did that on purpose. And yeah. Because I felt like it was kind of sad to not point out that actually women, we do tend to have each other's backs in that um, kind of situation, we didn't, which is fantastic. Yeah, we didn't see any strippers in that bar, but the guys, mm. the conversation they were talking about with their work, obviously they couldn't go to strip clubs, couldn't take their clients to strip clubs anymore because yeah. they were a female manager. So I I mean, we didn't see strippers, but I was kind of thinking it's kind of like that kind of place. Yeah, it was it mostly was kind of well men. Done. Sort of like a, like, yeah. It was, yeah, like just a generic kind of, hey, yeah, oh, gentleman's bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and just one more note on that smothering scene, though. I really loved that her plan was to carve Nina Fisher into his body. Oh, like yeah. Maybe I raped Nina Fisher or whatever, because I hadn't really put together the name association thing, like that all she heard was him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like all she heard was his name, and I was like, oh, my God, yes. Really clever. Yeah. Cool. Uh, question number six, also a Patreon question, comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. What is her question there, Stace? Oh, well, you guys know what she does. She does the Tastes podcast. Here's a link down below. You guys know I love you. What's the question there, Stacey? <laughs> yeah. Okay, question six. What side character would have the best spin-off movie? So I'm going again with Jordan, the lawyer, Alfred Molina's character, because mm. I think he he likes how it feels to take down Al Monroe. Like, you know, like when she sends him the package at the end and he actually gets to take him down and, and like he makes amends yes. for his previous actions. Yes. So I think then he goes on a crusade to rectify his past wrongdoing. And we just see this movie where he just gets all these wankers that he originally defended and he manages to get them in jail somehow. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so satisfying. I'd love it. It would be so good. I want the harder version of this film. Uh, At one point, she comes stumbling out of a bar with a guy wearing a hat and the, the fedora a fedora it's not just a hat i, know, I was getting to that so i was getting to a hat that is Sorry. known in the neckbeard world as a fedora it's quite possibly one of the worst hats that any man could wear anyway enough about fashion choices coming from a guy that has none whatsoever uh the but he even he says oh isn't there another one like you that's out there stalking the world and she's like using tasers on guys or something or she's cutting yeah. guys balls off no, she says that she's like Oh, I'm not the only one doing this. Yeah, she says something about like there's a one out no, there. No, scissors, cutting... scissors. Oh yeah, using scissors. That's right. I want to see that movie. That would be an <laughs> I awesome she horror was film. Probably lying, but it would be an awesome film. Yeah. That would be an yeah, awesome horror this, film. Yeah, the horror version of this film. Yeah, because I thought it was going to be a horror. I mm. thought it was absolutely mm. going to be her like chopping these dudes up, mm. and I was still going to go see it. And I hate horror. Movies. So yeah. rather than promising young woman, it would be terrorizing young. Psychopath. Terrifying young woman. <laughs> yeah, terrifying young yeah. psychopath. I don't know, lady. <laughs> Okay, so I think the best character to have a spin-off movie is Gail. She was my other answer. She's yeah, she yeah. is great. She's so cool and sassy, and I think she'd have some interesting stories. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't Tides. agree more. Yeah. Question number seven: What deeper philosophical debate arose in you during this film? So, the thing that really sprang to mind immediately, and is something I've thought before, is that I don't understand how people can want to have sex with someone who doesn't totally want to have sex with them. I've had one situation where when I was drunk, I managed to talk this guy into having sex with me. And then afterwards I've realized that he probably, maybe it was like a pity bonk or something. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it actually made me feel really gross. Like I was just like, oh, like I don't want to, I don't want to have sex with him if he didn't want to. Yeah. Like, ooh, you know, and it really opened my eyes to like, even more to the idea of like, I don't understand rape at all. Like I get that it's actually mostly about power. But And I think for some of these guys or the characters in the movie, it's not even that. It's their insecurity. Like they maybe think yeah. they can't even get a girl unless, you know, they have this situation. Yeah, and that was what it kind of took my brain onto. It was like something is broken in society that these men that they mm. encapsulate in this movie feel like they can only have sex with vulnerable women. Yeah. Like we need to do something where men don't feel disempowered by the fact that women are coming into their own and, yeah. and are these powerful, independent people by themselves don't feel threatened by that yeah. and actually find that sexy. Yeah. Like Sam, who obviously finds yeah. independent, <laughs> brilliant women sexy and that he married one. So, like, why aren't all men like Sam? Exactly. Like, why can't we make 
Like, what can we do in society to fix it so that men find men uh, men find women like Stacey and I incredibly appealing? Because we are. Well, I think there. I think there are a lot of them out there, right? I think we're, we're oh, starting definitely to growing. really generalise here. This is not the fifties, a hundred percent. But there are men still like that, and I'm kind of sad. Like, why have you not got on board? This is gonna, so I'm intrigued to see Sam's opinion. It, it will sound almost nice guy, but I feel like. The, there's a there's a disconnect for guys similar to myself or whatever you know like nice genuine guys when mm. they first meet a girl there's like there's maybe insecurity inferiority complex um I'm not good enough for this person all that sort of stuff sure. I, I, feel, I feel like there's that aspect as well as like the first time you meet someone you've got to be you're not you you become your representative you become the best <laughs> things about you you know oh I love yeah, going mountain biking I love cooking I love socializing with people I like I go to the gym all the time. <laughs> no, no, you, you try not to say that. You're like, oh, I'm more real outdoorsy. I love going to the beach. Oh, no, as a woman, I would be. Oh, I'd yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, 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 really? Sorry, I'm yeah, so, as, as a woman, you know, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, like, it's yeah. just getting past that disconnect, and especially when, you know, we're living in a Tinder generation where it's like first looks mean, you know, yeah. so much, and it's, so it's much. like, it's it, you can be a lot more picky as a woman because you've got a lot more attention because guys are just like, I'll oh, swipe yes to anything sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a tough one. It's a it's a tough one. Mm. Uh, yeah. So my deep philosophical debate is when I was watching this film and watching everything that this poor woman goes through and how patient she has to be and how much she has to put up with. My debate was: if I woke up tomorrow and was a woman, could I handle it? And the answer is no. <laughs> I can't handle. I like see the amount of stuff that you guys go through as women and put up with, and the patience you have to have. You know, you have to be submissive, but at the same time, you don't want to get walked over like a doormat. But then if you're sort of too loud and outspoken, you're like a bitch who's, you know, like, you know, like a real nagger or a whinger, all that sort of stuff. It's like this fine balance that you guys have to walk on a day-to-day basis. I don't think I can handle that. And it's interesting that I say that because I did see an article recently about a documentary about a woman who, like vice versa, I was wondering if it would be harder for a woman to wake up as a man. But vice versa, a woman actually... Uh, dressed and pretended to be a man for a year, and at the end of that year, she ended up in a mental hospital because she tried to kill herself. Whoa! Holy shit! Yeah, Why? yeah. She found living as a man way too hard. Wow. All I was going to say in response to that is, yeah, thanks. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, I that's, that's it. True. Yeah, that's like, all, that's all I could say. Really. I think we do live quite different lives, and we do have to kind of recognize that it's the world expects different things out of us and it's not exactly like all peaches and cream for dudes either like yeah. no it's not it's, it's just, not but it's just different yeah. it's, it's completely different, different. and like yeah. like i'm i've got the mental fortitude to handle being a man from day to day basis and i think if like you know like a that's what you're used to yeah, it's, it's what i'm used to but like like that freaky that we watched horror movie recently where a young girl swapped a body with Vince Vaughn and it's like how, like if i woke up like that tomorrow like how would i handle it i was like i don't think i could I think I'd. No, he's not that bad looking. I'd, I'd be okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd definitely jack off. Anyway, what about you? I'm always Sage? curious what it's like for a dude to jack off. Is that just me? It's not all that interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of shame involved, a lot of crying. But it seems way easier than like for a chick. Yeah, I did. Mm, no. You know, it's just like, well, okay, that's probably okay. a whole oh, well, different. Yeah, that's a whole to different topic. Um, anyway, yeah, that's that's mine. What about you, Stace? What do you got? Okay. As I was watching this movie, I started thinking about the documentary The Hunting Ground that yes. you and I watched. Oh, people a need to watch few that. Years ago. Liz, you've got to watch oh. it. Is that the, um, oh, you've told me about it before. It's the, the thing about um, sexual assault in yeah, universities, yeah, yeah. right? So I started thinking about The Hunting Ground, and then I started thinking about, for me personally, this was a personal philosophical debate. If I had not seen that documentary, 
I don't think watching this movie I would have fully understood the ramifications in real life. That this movie is so, like you said, it's slightly dis- not dystopian, but slightly different reality. But yeah. but the subject matter is so real. I, for me personally, and then I think it um, goes back to what you were talking about with your mum, Liz, is that I think that I've just been going through life not realising, but not because I'm oblivious, but because you just do kind of push it down and and move on and live your life and stuff like that. And exactly. Just try not to make a big deal. Yeah. And it's p- probably part of that being a good girl, like don't make a big deal out of things and that co- I think it's partly that, partly that people might not believe you, like in this case. Yeah, like, yeah. Partly you just kind of want to get on with things and be like, don't let this dick like yeah. ruin shit, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's all sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also there's also that guilt and shame that comes in like, oh, this was totally my fault. And it's like, mm. Mm, was it though? Yeah. Mm. So that was just, yeah. that's not a really succinct debate, but it's just some thoughts that I had watching it. I, I agree with what no, you're I saying. Totally, I, I feel like yeah. if you've seen The Hunting Ground, you have a way more of an appreciation for this film. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of unique in that it's almost like the HR of this world are the deans of university where, you know... <laughs> the, the, they're ki- just there to protect the university, not you. The kids yeah. feel like they're there to protect you and help you out and support yeah. you, but really they're there to protect the company or protect the university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, totally. And that's what Hunter Ground really shows. It's a oh, brutal film. It's the the Connie Britton, the Dean yeah. kind of aspect of this movie. She legitimately could be a character pulled straight out of a documentary, which is yeah. phenomenal. Mm. Anywho, next one, uh, question eight. Also, a Patreon question. Take it away, Liz. All right. Uh, this question is asked by one of our delightful Patreons, Mr. Nick Haskins, who has the podcast now of Nikolai's Kitchen. Talks all sorts of things about eating and delicious food. And oh my God, I cannot stop eating in quarantine. So and, I just need to move on before yeah, I just start shoving food in my face. And his Instagram is like, oh my God. Every Jesus. time I see the new food that he's made each day, I'm like, oh my God, yum. Yes. Stacey's going to be on it soon. Can you come and make us some food? I'm petitioning for (laughs) Stacey to be on that. I'm sure she will be soon. Oh, you'd be amazing on it, 100%. Okay, so Nick would like to know how this movie could be rewritten into a Shakespearean comedy or tragedy, and I'm just going to start straight away by going, sorry, Nick, I can't answer this question because this is already a perfect fucking tragedy. Yeah. That's it. I don't have an answer. So, Sam, what do you think? The real tragedy would have been if she her backup plan hadn't come through. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. And, and they'd just gone on and, like, he'd had that lovely marriage and, yeah. like, wedding. And, yeah, and that's true. Good point. Maybe the film would have had more balls as, if it had done that. Like, it's already got a lot of balls. It already mm. has a very horrible ending. And I feel like they had to put that in there to sort of appease the audience because you don't want to walk out of this feeling depressed as fuck. But if they'd done that, oh. if they'd made that as a statement where it was like they managed to get away with it, you know, like the body Which got found happens. and they've got no idea where she came from, who she is, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then people are like, going to the police and going, hey, we reckon it's these guys, and they're like, we've got no evidence, and then just leaving it. That would have been, yep. that would have been horrifying. Oh, yes, well, I agree. I think in Shakespearean tragedies, there is always that, you know, like your aspect of the mixed messages or things not quite flowing how they should. But also, more people need to die. So yeah. I think that when she fed the guys at this um, bachelor party that drink, they never woke up. Ooh. Oh my god! Just everyone died, and and <gasps> yes, and she and she fed, some the, um, fed shit. the groom exactly, and then he Dude, so, so she does get strangled, but then he dies of poisoning soon after, along with all of his mates. Fucking 
genius, Stacey. <laughs> the tragedy, the tragedy there would have been is... that they would have shown up at the bachelor party and then they just find all these dead bodies. They've all been poisoned by the same bottle. And then they find her in bed, and she's the only one without poison in the system. And then he's handcuffed to a bed, but he's somehow fought her off and murdered her. Forever, her name would have been the psycho girl that went to a party and killed everyone there, and then got killed in self-defense. Mm. Mm. Question number nine, what is it there, Stace? Question number nine, what was the wittiest retort in this film? Oh my God, there were so many. Mm-hmm. Like This film had me laughing out loud so many times, but I'm going with the bit where she's like, so you're a, you're a pediatrician or whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, how many children have you killed? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, no, I just, I, I, I operate. But how many have died? Oh, well, yeah. Stop asking me about this. And she's like, I will if you stop killing children. I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. That's so good. Like it just brought me so much joy. I laughed for like, Five minutes. Yeah, I go. pretty much had everything Gail said. Gail was awesome. <laughs> my my one mm-hmm. was Al Monroe going, it's every man's worst nightmare getting accused of something like that. And <gasps> Cass just turning around and going, can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I was like, whoa. That brought me so much joy. Oh, my God, that was so satisfying. It was deeply <gasps> poignant and deeply satisfying. And, you know, he was basically saying Perfect a flippant response. comment of, it's like you don't understand my life is so hard yeah, yeah, yeah. some people think i'm a bad man jog on pal yeah totally mm-hmm. my one is ryan and cassie are talking about how horrible dating is and um ryan says he went on a date last month with a woman who wanted to euthanize the homeless and cassie said you went on a date with my mom <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good uh, final question from ones that can be applied to any film. I mean, there's a million answers to this, and I mean we've been over most of them already. But what was the biggest dick move in the film? For me- I'm assuming we're not doing the obvious one. Yeah, let's leave the obvious one out. Where he like murders someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it me? Yeah. Well, it's his. It's his mate. Talking him out of it. Yes, it, that's it's like, the answer. No, it's okay. Yeah, you didn't the, murder no. her. You, it, no, no, the obvious one is him murdering her. I, yeah, yeah Joe I know. Talking him out of it. it's different. Yeah, obvious one is the murder. We've mentioned that. But yeah, it's the mate talking out. Yeah. Totally. It's like, who turns up, sees a dead body, and then goes, It's okay. Nothing happened. It's not your fault. What? Yeah. It's not your fault. He didn't even ask any questions. No. That's what really gets to me. He didn't even go, What happened? <laughs> he does not care. Yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. like, Nope. You're fine. This didn't happen. We're good. Yep. I always knew that arsehole out of New Guy was an arsehole. I always knew it. <laughs> it was always. I've seen tweets where people have been like, this has made me view Schmidt in a very different I way. I always knew it. He's got <laughs> a look about him. See, I disagree because, I mean, not that I don't think that was complete cunt move, obviously, but um, the thing that really got to me was Madison having a video of the attack and never doing anything about yeah, it. Yeah, there's well. And like yeah. just looking at it and thinking it was funny. Oh, here comes the and, plane. Like, yep. And then years later, she's like, I'm not sure what made us think it was funny. I'm like, oh my God, I want to punch you in the fucking ovaries right now, Madison. You were literally the worst person ever. Yeah, I mean, that was the other one. I mean, those two were actually the two I had written down. So, I mean, I, how do I top that? The only other one that I thought was kind of funny was when he said, have you spat my coffee? And then she just did. <laughs> I was like, it was fucking yeah. It was amazing. That being said, though, and she... I love that he brings it up to her boss and her boss is just like, oh, my God. And then doesn't fire her. Yeah. <laughs> well, even her, like, just, just her 
working at that coffee shop in general when that girl was like, hey, can I buy a coffee? And she just ignored her. She was like, what the fuck is that girl <laughs> living under you? Worst customer service ever. Yeah, worst customer service ever. Well, I think that segues us very well mm. onto Stacey's first question. Yes. What is it there, Stacey? Okay. My first question is exactly about that. How has Cassie not been fired from her job sooner? Well, I think it's very obvious. Transition is expensive. Like, if you're going to transition from a man to a woman, I think it costs like $100,000 or something in America. I've seen loads of, like, give a littles or oh, whatever yeah. the American one is, yeah. like, go fund me, yeah. you know? So if Gail could afford to do the transition, clearly that means that Gail is rich AF and therefore does not give a shit whether her cafe is profitable or not. <laughs> That's exactly what I had. So I, I had Really? Yeah, you know, well, not that, but I, I had that Gail is basically – um, working for the mob or something, or is she or or a mobster? <laughs> and this co- coffee house is basically just a tax write-off. Well, all of the above could be true, yeah. right? Like she could be a mobster and have transitioned. The, the other thing too, so, I mean, it's set in Cleveland, and like you maybe you get this in Los Angeles or New York or London or something like that. But you have these sort of niche coffee houses, and they have their own like peculiarities about them. Like <laughs> you know, there was that restaurant in London that never existed, and yet it was like the highest starred restaurant on TripAdvisor. People were like all going on about how they ate there and it was the most amazing I and mean, never even existed. And then you have like cat cafes and stuff like that. Like maybe that's what yeah, Gail's like going for is Gail just wants to have this cafe that has the worst customer service <laughs> in the entire of America. And that's what she's going for. Just the yeah. worst. Yeah. Uh, my next question is, yeah, this was really cutting the scene when Cassie comes out of the bar with that dude in the fedora and, and walks past Ryan as she as she's leaving. So how would you explain that? Honestly, I, I when I was watching that scene, I was like, she just has to tell him the truth because yeah. he seemed like this decent dude. And I just feel like I would have been like, hey, fedora guy, fuck off, Ryan, let's go for yeah. a coffee or something somewhere. And I just need to explain to you what I'm doing and why. And I feel like, like you made a good point before, he he was a nice guy. He was a selfish nice guy, which we find out later on where he just does whatever he needs to do to, to protect himself. But I feel like he would have, he, he didn't, I don't think he would have like not understood. I think he would have understood really well. And it might have turned him around. It might have made him go, holy shit, I didn't realize it would affect so many lives so many ways. Like, I love you. I really care about you or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would have gone for as well. I just would have sat him down and tried to explain the situation to him. Because that would have been a little bit more believable. And I was talking about this sort of like jarring changes. Then what happens in the film when she's like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, we're done. I don't want anything to do with you. Never talk to me ever again. And then the next scene, he storms into her cafe and starts making out with her. Mm. I was like, really? <laughs> Way to get over and, it. And their whole relationship was a bit flimsy, really. Because when they proclaimed love, their love for each other, they both knew so little about each other. That's true. At that point. He, he mm. doesn't know why she's working in a shitty cafe, you know, seven years so after think, med school. <laughs> one of the things I really like, I really liked once, I read this thing that said, you know, love isn't about, like, what you love about each other. It's about, like, loving someone despite of the things that you don't like. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you know, the things that – and I think that's so true. Like, it's really easy to love <laughs> oh, someone yeah. when they're just make, putting their best foot forward. I know yeah. all about that. I know all How about that. How do you that. know all about that? Because Stacey loves me despite all the <laughs> shit I do. <laughs> okay, um, so some of us think that Carrie Mulligan smashed it out of the park. Do you think she will win the Oscar for this part? I feel like she should be a front runner, I, and she is from all talks. She is a front runner. But you guys need to see Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. Vanessa Kirby is probably going to win it. 
Have not heard of it. First half an hour is probably the best acting from an actress in a long time. Mm. I'm not even sure. Like, I liked Carrie Mulligan in this. You know, I thought she did very well. I'm kind of worried that she's going to get it because the Academy is trying to look less shit and it's easier to be like, (laughs) yay, white feminism, than it is like, hey, let's actually give some awards to people of color because the Academy's had a pretty bad rep in Mm -hmm. the last few years about that, right? So... If she gets it, I'll be kind of concerned thinking, mm, is this just because you're trying to rehabilitate your reputation, Academy? I think she'll at least get a nomination. Yeah. Uh, moves yeah. me over to my questions. Yeah, I mean, it's this question poses an interesting idea. I want to know from you guys, like, how far would you go to avenge one of your friends after what's happened to her? Like, would you do what she does in this film? I, I, I Probably not, right? But at the same time, like, what would you guys do if this happened to your best friend? Would you try and seek some vengeance or retribution? I would not go as far as Cassie. It seemed quite an extreme reaction, Yeah, really. It took over her whole life. Yeah, and even Nina's mum, you know, in that scene where she's like, you've got to move on. It's just grief that has just twisted and is so gnarly, you know, that it's destroying her. I think that was quite good, actually, that they have that scene. Like, I agree with Sam, it was a little bit jarring, but it was also kind of quite good to show that literally everyone, including the victim's mother, yes. were like, yeah, we, you yeah. need to move on. We yeah, needed yeah. That and scene. she couldn't. Yeah. And she even tried, but then they pulled her back in. Yeah, so not as far as Cassie. I'm not really that kind of person, actually, that would just outwardly go about seeking... Yeah, you're not like a consumed with something type person. No, I would try and find inner peace and healing and just try and be a good person, you know. Yeah, do your best to get like some sort of legal repercussions, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go down a legal route if possible. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, so this film gave me massive, massive Veronica Mars parallels. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it is one of my favorite TV shows. And very quick, slight plug. Um, I'm going to be doing an episode of the Rabbit Ears pod. Uh, Way. Yay! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing the Rabbit Ears, and I'm going to be talking about Veronica Mars. Way. So that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be a February episode, so something to look out for. Cool. Um, one of my favorite shows of all time. And the whole thing about Veronica Mars is that she – she gets raped and her friend gets murdered and she tries to get vengeance on those who are responsible. But she went from, her dad's a, was a, was the sheriff and becomes a, a private investigator. And I think that's the kind of route I would have gone down. Like, so she takes an investigation approach. She like asks everyone questions. She identifies like the people that are key, you know, the people with evidence or the perpetrators, etc., And then she blackmails them or, puts them in awkward situations and she's just super smart and uses her cunning and her smarts to just really fuck them over and get what she needs. And I feel like that might be me. If one of my friends, something like that happened to them, I like to think that I would try and investigate it and try and get the evidence that we needed to get legal action against them. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't know what would happen if something happened to Fern. I don't know how far it's I'd go. It's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, one you know? of, it's, like, a weird it's hard situation. to say. Yeah. You just don't know until it happens. Until you're in that situation. I mean, I'd, I'd do anything for Fern, so I'm, I'd, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to test those limits. But uh, my next question is, well, I mentioned the guy outside Afro Molina's house. What was he there to do? What was she going to get him to do? Well, this is where it goes into the um, extreme horror version, isn't it? <laughs> like, was she going <laughs> to get him to go in man? there and beat the crap out? Yeah, is he a hitman? <laughs> what is he? I think that's a... I think that's a really good question because her method was all about social engineering and psychology. You know, it was all about fucking with their heads. Yeah. She wasn't about violence. 
So I think that the guy might have like gone in and like held him up at gunpoint and pretended like he was going to rape him just to scare him. Right, that's probably a good answer as any. Yeah. And then my final question, I was thinking about it later and it was kind of like, well, me and Stacey had a little bit of a chat, broke the movie podcast cardinal rule of like never talking about your podcast before you start recording, but <gasps> we started having a chat about this. I want to know, like, do you guys think she might have intentionally left the cuff on Al a little bit loose? So that he would murder her. And I, I've got an idea as to why maybe I think that. But I don't know. What What do you guys think? I can see where you're going with this because, yes, in some ways the story, it is quite poetic that she does end up killing herself over Correct. this whole situation. But in the movie, I just think it's that those handcuffs, they wouldn't have been professional bloody military-grade handcuffs or whatever. They were just flimsy little they handcuffs. They had fluff on them, didn't they? Yeah, like- exactly. <laughs> so it's just, it was just, he just got out of it. They just weren't that great handcuffs. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, see, I just don't know because it does seem ridiculous that he could free that one hand so quickly, yeah. but not the other, especially since he had a free hand, once he freed the first hand, to work on the second arm all night. <laughs> yeah, he still laid there by the corpse for like six hours or eight hours or whatever, you know? Like, I, if I was him, I'd be doing whatever I could to get the fuck away from the dead body lying next to me. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, I didn't think of it originally, but after I watched it, it did sort of come to, like, I was sort of like, it is ridiculous that that arm got, you know, that he got that arm free. And then Sam, you sent your questions through and I was like, yes, I could see what you're saying there. Yeah, so that, that's almost how I feel is like she almost sacrificed mm. herself so that he would get the repercussions that he deserved. And the reason why I say that is because like she had it so planned out of like in the event that I die that all this sort of stuff happens. So there was that aspect. But then the other aspect was that, you know, she tried. She tried to have a boyfriend. She tried to move on. She tried to get over everything. It all blew up in her face. Like what is left for her at this point? You know what I mean? Like she, yeah. she is just, mm. she's like, you know. Her parents are kicking her out of her house. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She, you know, she's got her repercussions on some of these other characters. It's like her, she's got to this point where she's she knows if I die, this person is fucked forever. No, I think that's a really good call. Cool. Move this over to Liz. What are your questions? All right. So one of the first quite emotional scenes in the film for me was when Adam Brody's character, Jerry, um, took Cassie home and he's like putting the moves on her and she's just not in any state to be having sex with anyone. And he just keeps going and he like jumps on her and he's touching her. And it's just, ugh. to me, I just, it made me feel gross. And I just wondered how you guys felt watching that scene. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I felt okay, very good. uncomfortable. I was yeah. highly concerned about where the movie was going. So did I. I, I and the, the like hard turn that it took was the fact that he actually seemed like a relatively normal like compared to his two friends at the yes. bar, he was like, "No, I've got to get her out of here. This is just." Yeah, and then and he's taking like, home. He's like, "Why don't you come back to my place?" So I was like, "Where safe. the fuck is this coming from?" You're safe. You're safe. Yeah, like that really killed me. How he kept saying that. I think it was really smart—a really smart opening scene because it set the movie and it set the emotional intensity right from the get-go. Yeah. Of you're going to feel a lot of different things watching this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It took you on a roller coaster from the start and made you realize what this film was all about, which was like a lot of, mm. like a little bit of dark comedy, but not really. But it was like, we are really going to test your emotions in this film. That takes me into my next question, actually, because we only saw Cassie make black marks in her notebook, but there are a bunch of red ones. 
I found that super interesting. I thought she was going to make a red, like they'd show what the red one was and they never did. So what do you guys think that the red marks in her notebook were about? I like that it could potentially be violence, you know, like blood got incurred and so she's recording the amount of times that that's happened. Because I feel like the the black ones are the ones where the guy suddenly went, oh shit, hang on, wait a minute, and suddenly had like, you know, second thoughts. Whereas I feel the red ones are the ones where the guys are like, oh, whatever, I'm going to try it anyway. And that's when, I don't know, she pulled out a taser. She's not, <laughs> I don't, like, I'm sorry, like some of these guys that she's taken home are going to be easily able to physically overempower her. So I'm hoping that she has a taser or something that could even the score. Yeah, you would bloody hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I just think she couldn't find a red pen. <laughs> I knew you would say that. feeling one of you would Black say, like, pen or whatever. oh, no, that's just the pen that was closest. It means Yes, something. exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah, anyway, uh, that moves us down to yeah, on our your last question note. list. Yeah, question 19. Yeah. Um, Joe was a interesting character. Not even sure how that fucking guy passed med school because he was a goddamn moronic sociopath. Yeah. Like, nepotism, Liz. Nepotism. Oh, my God. Like, you just watch him and you're just like, oh, you are the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his one of his stupidest moments, though, I just thought was, I actually laughed out loud, was when the cops turn up at the wedding at the end to arrest Al and Joe runs off. What does he think is going to happen? I'm curious what you think when Joe runs away from the cops at the end. What do you think his plan was? What do you think he thought was going to happen? Come on, Liz. It's obvious. He wants to make himself look as guilty as possible. (laughs) (laughs) What other play? I was like, yeah. Yeah, we we talked about it. Me and Stacey were like, could you not make yourself look more guilty? Yeah, it's just just an idiot. But he's not going to get away. Like, does he plan to go and, like, Live in the wilderness? But you forget. He's not a smart man, no, you forget. obviously. You forget. He is, well, he is. He is he the absolute king of denial. Yeah, he is yeah, in yeah. denial about all reality on planet Earth. So it's just part of that. Yeah, it's like how everyone has the flight or flight response. Has a flight response. You know, like they find a dead body rather than like fight it and say, hey, she did this, she did that, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do that. He goes and dumps her out in the bush and fine, sets fire we'll to it. Fine, burn her body. It'll be fine. So, Stacey, what do you think he did when he ran into the bushes? What happened after that? Oh, well, he didn't get very far. The cops got him about 200 metres down the road or, you know, down the track or whatever. No, 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 no. I like to imagine him in some really shitty motel, like, calling his girlfriend and being like, you need to get me out of here. And she's like, did you actually murder that girl? Fuck you. I'm calling the cops and telling them where you are. Like, do you know? Like, I just... Yeah. Oh, no, I want some poetic holy. justice. I want him running into the bush, and then a rattlesnake jumps up, bites him on the cock, and then he <laughs> dies a pa- painful, agonizing death from a snake bite to the testicles and penis. I would also take that. Yeah. I'd be fine with o- that. Over yeah. the space of 24 just... hours, he goes through the most incredible pain that a man can go through before dying. I like that. Anyway. Yep. Anywho, that moves us down to our final question, also a Patreon question. This comes courtesy of the amazing man. There's Dan Brennick of the Netflix and Swill podcast. You guys know all about Dan, all things Netflix related. Go check it out. There's a link down in the show notes. He's a man. And thank you, Dan. And what Dan would like to know this week is who's the real MVP of this film? And it can't be the main character. Although Carrie Mulligan, yeah, she is definitely an MVP. What about you guys? Who do you reckon? It's Cassie's dad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. He, it's not funny. The reason is because he's, he's the best dad possible. He's holding that family together. Cassie's mum is losing her shit over her daughter being so unhinged. She can't handle it. She doesn't understand her daughter, and it's making her really upset. 
the dad doesn't understand it, but he's like, hey, let the girl celebrate her birthday however she wants to. And that I think is sim- like symbolic of his approach to the whole thing. He's probably why she hasn't just gone out and straight killed herself before this point. It's a good point. He is, yeah, definitely a rock and oh, foundation. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And I agree. It isn't funny, but it's funny because that's basically what I said. But my answer, I, I wrote it out, this answer. I was just like, I really struggled with this question because so many of the characters in this film just sucked. Mm-hmm. I like that she had him to remind her that not all men are cunts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's really important because it's easy as a woman to see this stuff going on and read the stories about men like murdering their wives and kids or knowing that one of your friends has been assaulted or whatever. It's, it would be easy to hate men, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. So I'm really grateful for the men in my life that I know are good people because yeah. when I watch the news and stuff, I can feel like there aren't any, but then I know that I've got these amazing men in my life that are really great men, and I really wish that all men were like them. Sam, you're one of them. Oh, yay. <laughs> I really didn't want to say it, but there we are. There you go, listeners. Wait. Apparently I'm a great man <laughs> not blushing at all heard it here first and last probably for all, all time on our most serious you, podcast Liz has said something serious nice I will about. never say anything nice about you forever I promise excellent cool uh, yeah I mean <laughs> yeah thank you Liz I mean we've already talked about him Alfred Molina's character he was a man of his word he actually followed through on what he was going to do he you know proved himself or sent the cops there. I mean, it, it just yeah, it makes sense for all the reasons we've talked about. I mean, it's easy to get like sort of wallow in your sad sackedness and not actually follow through on the things that you're meant to do. And he gets offered that chance, to, that redemption arc, and he takes it, which I think is the true MVP. You know, Ryan had a chance to be an MVP. He just blew it. Yes. So that's... Yeah, exactly that. Like so many people are like Ryan who are like, well, I'm not involved. I'm not going to be punished for this so i'm just staying out of it well that's nice but it doesn't really help society exactly and that takes Mm. us down the end thank you to these guys for joining us it's been great talking about this film i was very much looking forward to it and i've had a blast yeah thank you so much for the suggestion stacy yes and i i think sam that you know that we could just continue talking about this movie for another two or three hours we could if you wanted us to we honestly we should do a raw episode where we just talk about the themes and aspects of the film there's so many thoughts of that whole movie like oh my god there is just so much in this film that we could talk about you're right it's just it's mm. endless and i feel like we've covered most of the hot topics of it some stuff that i feel like we're missing but hey that's is what it is i feel like i've actually managed to cover off all the things that i wanted to cover which i'm really pleased about yeah um Upcoming episode next week, talking about girls, we have the Girl Crush pod on to do Bird Box. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, They are first-time guests, and I've seen their questions. I know they're going to crush it. Very much looking forward to that. After that, well, Machu and Kahu haven't been on a while, and Kahu really wants to do Robocop, so we'll probably do that. And then, who knows? Who knows? The future is uncertain. Uh, If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews In 20Qs, or you can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. I've got to say a massive thank you to a couple of new Patreons. First of which is Nutrovert. Uh, I'll put links down to these guys because they've got their own podcast as well. The other one being Luke Sporting, who's got You Might Also Like Podcast, which is also a film podcast. They've come on as Patreons and that means the world to us. Every time we get new ones, it honestly makes my heart sing, as well as all our other Patreons. Hope you guys like the Ask Me Anything episode. We had a blast recording it in the future. I'm still talking about this like we're doing it, but we're about to do it right now. <laughs> But we had a blast with you guys' questions. Massive thank you from us. I mean, obviously, we haven't had a... We didn't do any episodes over January. Had to have that break. And it's so good to be back into it now. And really looking forward to entertaining you guys more through 2021. Yeah. 
Thanks, guys. Yeah, amazing. And that's the most awkward way we can say goodbye. Anyway, thank you. Bye. Bye.